Our scripture today is taken from the book of 1 Kings, the 19th chapter, and I'll be reading from verse 9 through 15 from the uh, New Living Translation. There he, Elijah, came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Rudy. Do you stand with me for a moment? Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you this morning for your word. Says, uh, your word says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that it might not sin against you. Thank you, Lord, this morning for Ken and Andreas. Uh, Lord, for your call upon Ken to, to go to Bolivia and to have eyes to see uh, the needs there. Thank you for raising up this first generation of boys and for Andreas as he gives leadership in the home now. We ask wisdom for him. And Lord, now thank you for this word that's before us in 1 Kings 19. Uh, I pray you give us a special ability to listen closely for your sw uh, small voice this morning uh, because uh, you want to speak to us. And so help us to listen well in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, if you're... Uh, uh, with us today, and you're rather new here, we're in a series of messages called Hearing God. I think this is about the sixth message uh, in the series, uh, and they're all online uh, on the website if you're interested to listen or to re-listen. And you have a little uh, uh, insert in the Sunday News this morning as well, if that would be helpful to you as you follow along uh, in the sermon this morning. And then a little practicum at the end of the Sunday News on the second page there of the insert, uh, just to help us engage a little more and help us listen uh, a little better to God as we're, uh, as we're growing in this area. I enjoyed the mom story 
uh, a mom said that uh, my five-year-old daughter, <clears throat> Barbara, had disobeyed me and had been sent to her room. And uh, the mom said, after, after a little while, I went in to talk with her about what she'd done, and teary-eyed, she said, uh, why do we do wrong things, Mommy? Uh, well, Mom said, I, I said, uh, sometimes the devil tells us to do something wrong, and we listen to him. Uh, but we need to listen to God instead. To which uh, she sobbed, But God doesn't talk loud enough. But God doesn't talk loud enough. And it's an interesting observation. Uh, but God doesn't talk loud enough. The, the little girl was uh, probably prone to think it's a lot easier to do that which is not right rather than that which is right. But she did strike an interesting thought. God doesn't talk loud enough. I mean, have you ever said that in one form or another? Maybe not quite like that, but in one form or another. It's kind of where we're heading this morning. Uh, does God talk loud enough? Do we hear him speaking? Or is his voice too soft to hear? We would rather hear his loud voice than his soft voice. Last week we talked about different ways in which God speaks. An audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice, but some have. Uh, sometimes God speaks through angels. Uh, he did in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and he may choose to speak that way in your life. Uh, he speaks through pictures and visions and dreams, and of course, uh, that's common today. And he also speaks through other people. We had a wonderful staff meeting. I just have to stop and say that uh, last Monday. And it was evident that God was using our staff to speak to one another, to speak words to one another. It was, it was very refreshing. Uh, so he speaks through preaching and teaching of his word. He speaks through gifts of prophecy and wisdom and knowledge and so on. Uh, so they're called the speaking gifts. They are the spiritual gifts that God uses in the body of Christ. But last week we couldn't get to the more dominant way in which God speaks because we were just out of time. So let's capture that this morning. The most common way in which God speaks to us is the still, small voice. Now when we think about that this morning, that phrase... I know we could substitute uh, different words, and I know you know those different words. We could call them whispers from heaven. We could call them divine nudges. We could use the word uh, promptings. And sometimes we, we just use the word impression, that God has impressed me with uh, this word from his heart. So it's one in the same language. I like the word whispers because it so beautifully captures the sense of how God communicates. Not in the loud, but in the soft. And not in the noisy, but in the quiet. That's the best place to hear God. And it's awesome. Uh, hearing the quiet whispers of the transcendent God is one of the most extraordinary privileges in all of life and potentially the greatest life changer of anything you can imagine that will come your way. When people hear from heaven, they are rarely the same again. 
When the sovereign God chooses to communicate with someone, whether a child or a, a teenager or a, someone mid, in mid-adult years or a senior, that person's world is altered forever. And can I say personally, without a hint of stretching it, I can say that the greatest joy of ministry is to hear God's low-volume whispers and watch Him unfold the things that are on His heart. There's nothing better than that. His soft whispers redirect my path, rescue me from the wrong direction, and re-energize me from discouragement and equip me for the road ahead. The still small voice. Can I show you that, that this is a biblical word? And it first appears in 1 Kings 19 as uh, Rudy read that passage this morning. The still small voice uh, illustrated. Now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Elijah is called of God to serve in a very challenging season of Israel's history. It's never uh, popular when you have a message that goes against the grain of the culture. And Elijah had a tough message. Elijah predicted a long season of drought. And it didn't rain for a very long time. And then God said in 1 Kings 18 that the rain is going to come. And there's this huge confrontation on Mount Carmel, which Elijah was part of, a confrontation between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And they were contending, as you know, uh, for the validity of who God was. Who was the true God? Was it Baal or was it Almighty God? And it became very clear that the Lord God was the true God. <clears throat> and then after that came the rain. And in response to Elijah's victory, uh, Ahab's uh, wife, Jezebel, threatened to kill Elijah. And after her threat, Elijah ran for his life. I mean, he ran for a whole day, and he was in the wilderness, he sat under a tree, and he asked God to just let him die. I mean, one day earlier, the same man, Elijah, had boldly called on God uh, to prove himself in front of a thousand people. And then, after receiving just a single threat, he just picked up and ran away. I mean, what changed? What happened in Elijah's life? Where was his faith? Uh, Elijah was exhausted and drained and therefore susceptible to doubt and discouragement. He gave in to self-pity and he lost his perspective. And boy, does it happen in our lives as well. Elijah had to get his eyes back on the Lord. That was absolutely essential. I mean, he had been used mightily, but it was the Lord who made him mighty. And he stood against, uh, very strong against the enemy but it was the Lord who had given him the strength. And now he needed to get perspective. Interesting how we can lose perspective so quickly. Even when things are going well, we can lose our perspective. <clears throat> he needed to get rest. He needed to hear God. You ever been there? <laughs> he needed to hear God desperately. And when things look like they can't get any worse, we're challenged to reach out to some people around us to gain some perspective and some hope. By running away, Elijah separated himself from people who could have helped him remain strong, offering him encouragement and strength, and most importantly, objectivity. 
But isn't that the most natural thing to do when you're lacking in your confidence, when you're hurting, when you're discouraged? You want to pull away. You want to pull away and you want to isolate yourself. The very thing that you need is to be in community. If he had reached out to others, Elijah might have realized that the God who answered by fire would continue to be with him. But instead, Elijah said, it's enough now, O Lord, take my life, for I'm not better than my father's. 1 Kings 19.4 Self-pity is toxic. It exaggerates. And it cultivates a victim mentality. Uh, many of us can relate to Elijah's situation. Uh, faced with an increasingly secular society, uh, it's kind of easy to feel like we're all alone in our faith. How much easier to give in to self-pity than to trust for the Lord's provision for our context. And in the midst of Elijah's self-pity, God confronted him. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What's going on, my son? Why are you all wrapped up in yourself? And Elijah responded to God's question by complaining about how he was the last prophet. He was about to be killed. And yet, instead of rebuking Elijah for his self-involvement and his lack of faith, God just showed up. God just revealed himself. And, and he told Elijah that he was not alone. And no matter how, how things seemed, there were 7,000 people still faithful to God in Israel. I mean, God didn't say it, but we would. We would say, come on, Elijah. Bend over. I'll give you a kick in the pants. Get going. Get perspective. But it, instead, God just shows up and God just quietly shows himself to Elijah. You know, it's awesome to hear God when you're down and you're discouraged. And the same thing is true today. Regardless how, of how bad things feel or how they, how they look, you're not alone. Elijah reminds us to look up to choose to believe in, in God's faithfulness, even when everything seems to be just the opposite. When we know we're in the will of God, we're secure, and our, expression, our experiences are difficult. Sometimes we just need to rest, and we need to get perspective. And it's in those quiet times of rest and renewal that God speaks the loudest to us. Or, or perhaps when it, it's when our minds are silent, that we can hear his voice above the white noise of our everyday lives. I like to think of God's voice as the same gentle whisper that Elijah encountered in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. <clears throat> and then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind... And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Or if you're reading in the King James Version, a still, small voice. Can you imagine what that must have been like for Elijah? God was not in the dramatic he was in the quiet. And I wonder how many times I have been too preoccupied 
to, to recognize God's gentle whisper in my life. Too busy, going too fast, preoccupied. And I hope you can hear this now without any sense of discredit to how God works because he works in different ways. But just to ask the question, what's the lesson of God's absence in the spectacular? And what's the lesson of his presence in the small, low voice, the whisper? What is God teaching us through this? And I think it's this, that God's primary vehicle for changing people and bringing transformation and renewal is not the miraculous, it is not the sensational, it is not the spectacular like Elijah experienced on Mount Carmel. It's indeed what Elijah experienced in the cave. It's the small voice that breathes life into us. It's the whispers of heaven. It is God speaking to people as he did to men and women of old. And as he speaks to us today when he takes the word of God and we read it and along with his still small voice, he just opens it up to us. As we said before, it could be called a Rima word. It's when the spirit illuminates the word and it just blossoms in our heart. It just pops. It just comes alive. It's a whisper from heaven. And we say, oh God, that was just what I needed. That's exactly for me. So friends, the transformation is in the quietness. Not in the spectacular. Now, if you encounter the spectacular, it's not that it's inappropriate. It's very appropriate. And it will be very timely in your life. But look for the transformation and the renewal and the revitalization in the still small voice, in the whispers from heaven, because that's where the transformation takes place. So the still small voice, illustrated in the story of Elijah, and then the still small voice, practical. We have the privilege of hearing the still small voice, the promptings of God, the whispers of heaven for a reason. It's practical. It's practical. He doesn't want us to wander aimlessly through life. He has great plans for us. So he whispers to us along the way so we get his direction for life. He made us for purpose and for significance. And God wants nothing else than we find our value and our purpose in living out the days of our lives. He doesn't want us to get lost in the confusion of all the voices that, that blare into our ears. He wants to say some things that will change the trajectory of where we spend our time and energy. And so there are whispers from heaven that will keep us majoring on the majors of life. They're God's majors and they're God's agenda. And at the end of life we can say, I found my life purpose. I, I, I lived my life with passion and, and significance, and I loved it. The road might have been challenging, but I was always aware of a guiding hand and a guiding voice. Nehemiah is a wonderful example of a man who heard the voice of God, and he set about to do the work of rebuilding the wall of his beloved city back in Jerusalem. Nehemiah lived in, in uh, Persia, 
and he heard about the report that the walls had been torn down, the gates had been destroyed by fire, and the people were susceptible to attacks from wherever. And, and it troubled Nehemiah that Jerusalem was in such disarray. So he prayed and he asked God for direction and how to be a part of the solution. And God opened a way for him to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild. And the book of Nehemiah is the story of this man hearing the voice of God and being led to go back home and undertake a great work. And listen to what it says in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 12. He said, I had not told anyone about the plans that God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. I had not told anyone about God's whispers. And then it says he set out to survey the broken down walls and, and he had a strategy. God was putting a strategy in his heart for how to solve the problem. And then there's another great verse to help us capture how God speaks to us. It's in Nehemiah chapter 7 verse 5 and it reads, So my God gave me the idea to call together all the nobles and the leaders of the city. Where does he credit his action steps? So God gave me the idea. God gave me the idea. He heard a whisper. I mean, we can describe it in different ways, but God speaks to us and he gives us a, a confirmation of our direction or he gives us uh, encouragement or he gives us comfort or he gives us direction. Remember the two disciples on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection of Jesus. And they said, were not our hearts burning within us while we, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Our, our hearts were burning. There was a stirring inside. We knew there was something happening there. God was whispering. God was confirming what was happening. And, you know, often as, we, as God speaks into our hearts, there's a burning in our hearts. There's, maybe it's a passion. Maybe there's excitement for what God is saying, for what God is doing, and our heart beats fast. I appreciated the words of Dallas Willard in his amazing book, uh, uh, Hearing God. And I encourage you to order the book, uh, maybe through Amazon or wherever. It's a wonderful resource, uh, Hearing God. Uh, Ten pages is about enough at any one sitting uh, reading this book by Dallas Willard. It's just packed with great truths. Uh, he writes, there are dangers to encouraging people to hear from God. He says, of course there are. The adventure can get disastrously out of hand. We know that people do go off the deep end, yet he says there's also a danger of people going off the shallow end, what must be done is to lead people into an understanding of the voice of God and how it works in their lives. What must be done is to lead people into an understanding of the voice of God and how it works in their lives. To have that balance. The value of hearing the voice of God is that our Father has guidance for us. Uh, he guided Abraham. He took him from his homeland and set before him an amazing life and a journey. And Abraham's life has impacted us all, thousands and thousands and millions of people. Abraham's life has impacted us. 
And the conversation with Abraham continued for the remainder of his life. God whispered to him. And look at how he guided Moses and Joshua. I mean, what a road he gave them to travel. But never alone. He was always there to whisper into their hearts. And the place where Moses and Joshua went to hear God uh, was called the Tent of Meeting. Uh, Take a moment to read about it in Exodus chapter 33. Listen to this. Inside the Tent of Meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Isn't that cool? Uh, Inside the Tent of Meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. But we have a Tent of Meeting with God. And we can come. Grab your journal. Find a quiet space and come to the tent of meeting in a space that you choose and just listen for his whispers. The still small voice, the whispers of heaven. They're very practical. They're very practical. And then finally the still small voice, a continual journey. A continual journey. It's a journey all through life to hear the whispers of God. And here are some practical steps. First of all, determining priorities. There are days it's wise for us to just stop and listen. When you do, everything seems to shut down for a a period of time. And the Lord says, once you've stopped, once you've wound down a little bit, I want you to listen. Now, some of, some of you do it very intentionally. <laughs> some of you do it very deliberately. But it's rare. Often these times take place involuntarily. Some dramatic event takes place that suddenly sidelines us from life, maybe an accident, maybe a coronary, a life-altering event. And life just seems to shut down for a period of time. And it's as if the Lord is saying, now that you've stopped, I want you to look and I want you to listen. There's There's a book I'm hearing about these days by the author Stephen King and the book is called On Writing On Writing and he tells a personal story he lives in Maine Uh, he runs about four miles a day every day and usually where he lives the place uh, is a very safe place to to run but this day he couldn't see what was coming and a van came over the hill and hit Stephen King directly it knocked him 14 feet up into the air two years later he wrote we all know that life is ephemeral I had to look it up too it means transitory lasting only a short time but on that particular day and in the in the months that followed He said, I got a simple look at life's backstage truths. No matter how large your bank account, 
No matter the number of credit cards you have, sooner or later, things will begin to go wrong. The only three, th three things you have which you can really call your own is your body and your spirit and your mind. So what will you do with your one and only life? What will your priorities be? And he writes, I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All you have is on loan anyways. It's only going to last for a certain amount of time. Your priorities are shaped by hearing God. And in the journey of walking with God, the more you hear his voice, the more your priorities will be shaped by the one who loves you and has the very best plans for your life. So listening shapes your priorities. So if your journey is out of control and you're just going way too fast, speeding along, RPMs way too high, maybe it would be a great idea to pull aside and say, Lord, I just need to hear from you. How do you want me to live my life? What's important to you? And it's in the slowing down that the whispers begin to emerge. Determining priorities. Secondly, finding quiet spaces. Henry Nouwen once said, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Yet we all try. We become addicted to noise. We get so used to it that we don't realize how loud it's blaring in our ears and our hearts. Some of you remember the name Keith Miller. He wrote a book uh, years ago called A Taste of New Wine. And he tells a story about uh, being a young boy, just a very young boy, and discovering one afternoon that he was alone in his home. Uh, and he was scared. And the silence was just absolutely deafening. So in order to combat the fear, he began to sing at the top of his lungs, and he began to take a pot from the kitchen and bang it against cupboards in order to make as much noise as possible. He, sa he said he felt if he could only keep up the noise, that nothing would creep in and grab him. He was, he was frightened to be alone. And eventually his mom came in from the backyard and found him. And he said, I can still remember the exhaustion and the tears of relief as I collapsed into her arms and was released from my self-made prison of noise and fear. Wow, poor little guy, just afraid of being alone, afraid of the silence. It's too quiet, too spooky. But maybe it's not so strange. We can live in a prison where we think, if we can just keep the noise blaring loud enough and long enough, we can drown out the doubts and the loneliness and the pain. So we just keep the noise going and we just keep the racket going in our lives and the pace and the speed of life. But it's just the opposite. When we embrace silence and quietness and invite the Holy Spirit to speak in our quietness, we begin to hear the whispers. We begin to hear the whispers. F.B. Meyer, a biblical uh, British commentator, I believe British, from a century ago, said, uh, 
Loneliness is an opportunity for Jesus to make himself known. Loneliness is an opportunity for Jesus to make himself known. So if you're battling loneliness in your life, take the aloneness piece of loneliness and turn it into a time to be with God. Turn it into a time to be with God, to hear his promptings. And when you hear his voice, you'll not only be strengthened in your loneliness, but you'll be encouraged and motivated to obey what God's saying to you. Every great leader of the Bible was familiar with solitude. Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, David, Elijah, Jesus. Remember the verse that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed? I mean, he put it in his schedule to be alone so he could hear the whispers of the Father. Some of us are inclined to say, oh, it's impossible in my life to find any quiet space. I have a job, I have a spouse, I have kids, I live in a noisy neighbor. It's really hard. And I know how true that is. I feel it too. But I also know the impact and the difference it makes when we do our best to find these quiet spaces. And then finally, making it work. Uh, have you heard about the cell phone ringtone that uh, junior high and high school kids are using to make teachers or to keep teachers from discovering uh, that they're using their cell phones in school. I should maybe be saying that to the teachers out there. Uh, the pitch of this ringtone is called the mosquito tone. It's too high for people over 25. So the kids can send and receive text messages during class without the teacher knowing, because those teachers are too old. So as we age, these microscopic hairs inside our ears get worn down, actually damaged. So our hearing becomes less sensitive. A great reminder, if we don't take time to increase our hearing from God, we miss out on what God is saying to us. We just miss it. Have you formed some lifelong habits that will transform the way you think and communicate and live? How do you take care of those ears so they're sensitive to God? Find a quiet spot, bring a Bible, grab a pen and a journal, slow the RPMs of your heart, and be quiet before Him. I encourage you to journal. Some say, well, it's just not my thing. Don't worry about the grammar. Don't worry about all the phraseology. Just even use bullets. But it helps to focus and remember what God has said to you. Read a passage. Ask the question, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to understand? I invite you to speak to me. And enter into a written conversation around a few verses of Scripture. It is beyond what you might ever imagine as you begin to write. First your question, then allow God to respond to your question. Write it down, enter into another question, and before long you will read it back and say, that was amazing. I heard God through his word and through this conversation. On the back page of the sermon notes today, there's some homework, a chance to put your listening skills to work. Have a look. Take the time this week to listen and experience the encouragement and strength and direction that comes through our gracious Father in heaven. Let's stand together as we pray.
Lord, as we uh, stop to listen, may we hear your heart for us. Thank you for being so interested in every one of our lives that you speak personal words. Lord, uh, many of us desire to discover the adventure of a, of a listening journey with you. So please teach us and help us to be quick to hear. Uh, so bless your people, Lord, as we uh, are listeners to your divine nudges. In Jesus' name we pray.